You know, uh, there's so many reasons not to piss off the sound guy. You know, the guy who runs the board yeah. of your show. Yeah. An excellent reason to never piss off the sound guy is he's probably the guy who gets to pick the music that plays. Right. Or you come up. I was at a show. I don't know if this was the case, but I, 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 everybody knows this. That, you know, you don't want to have music before the show that's better than your band. Oh. And I was at a show. I think it was at Bottom of the Hill here in San Francisco. And you, I don't know how you're probably not super familiar with this band, but we were going to see somebody. We're waiting, waiting, waiting. And suddenly slamming out of the speakers, you hear, punka, 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 New Day Rising. And it's New Day Rising by Husker Du, which is one of the most paint peeling, awesome, beloved punk rock records of all time. And it starts out with this thunderous three minutes of drumming and just screaming New Day Rising. And as soon as everybody in the room hears it, like it's just, it's just boners and blood loss all through the room. People are just so happy to hear this amazing... And it's like five songs in, everybody's bopping wrong, and they fade it down because now the band's going to come up. You know, and it's some hipster from Brooklyn with a goddamn banjo and a harp <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then I took the liquidine of Dickensian Battles. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> play Husker Do again. <sighs> ah, man, oh man, oh man. Uh, How are you, it. Merlin? Hey, I'm, I'm Merlin Mann. I'm in San Francisco. I know all the cool bands. I return no. <laughs> I'm not going to respond to that anymore. You're, you're, getting, <laughs> you're getting very hostile with me, and I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm not going to do a funny voice on you, because okay. I have so much affection for you. I just The only reason I do them is to get you to do yours. No, that's not why, Dan. That's a, that's a, that's a good cover. It's a good cover. Okay. No. People say they would like to hear a show of just the voices. Oh, I love the voices. You should work on... So you've kind of got your own version of whoever that guy is. Bluetooth. you kind of got your own version of that, don't you? Ha, ha. Yours is a little different. I like yours. I think we could work together. Hi. Mine is based on an actual person. I think mine is too. I think I stole mine from <laughs> Eddie Murphy. But it's, but it's evolving. It started it's as better than Murphy. better than what he was doing. Yeah. I think there's a You Look Nice Today episode where we did that with Dusty Baker, but I wouldn't be able to put my hand to it. Hi, I'm Dusty Baker. Do you enjoy baseball? Before you answer, <laughs> have you ever had a toothpick in your mouth? Two toothpicks, five toothpicks, lost count? People are complaining that, uh, that uh, you don't do Dr. Phil anymore. Well, here's the problem, Dan. Let me explain this to you. If the only thing that you buy is Kleenex, you should not be surprised that your nose is still on your face, okay? That's number one. Now, when you go and you're a man in the home, you're a lot like a bird inside of a radiator. <laughs> no matter how much water comes in there, right, the heat is still going to harm the bird. You need to look into her eyes and explain that to her. She's not a Playboy magazine or a dresser drawer. See, how do you do it? How do you do I it? Stan, let me ask you another question. Is, is, there, is there a question of how I do it, or is there a question of how I get so deep inside of that that I can pitch a tent and literally live inside that question? You need to look at yourself. You need to buy a three-way mirror and then buy a three-way mirror for your three-way mirror. The only way you're going to see inside of you is if you have two eyes and the desire to look inside, or you could cut a hole in yourself. We'll be back in a minute. Still never seen it. Still never seen it. We gotta, we gotta go quick, right? We gotta go quick. We both got things we gotta do. Yeah, we, we got go you quick. and big important you and Marco, things. You that... and Marco carried on about being millionaires for a really long time. I know. He sounds really rich. And he he, may, he this, must like, be rich. He must be. It's it's called Xcode, right? You just open it up. You like you go like, and then beeps like an ATM machine. The money starts falling out. 
I got to get an Android phone. Well, what's going uh, on with your iPhone? Oh, I got too much uptime, if you know what I mean. Uh, you know, here's the thing. We should we should go quick. Uh, and the, uh, so we talked a little bit ago about how we should keep the show kind of short because we've got to do stuff. And so I hope that will keep me focused. Because I have so much to say, as you know, about what we discussed in the last episode. Without doing too much rehash, can I do a tiny bit of rehash? Yeah, and I'm more awake this this time. Do you think you were not awake last time, Dan? Well, my I, my little boy was sick. I wasn't sleeping. I was up with him, and you know all that, all the stuff that, you know, one day when you're a parent, you'll. I know. Someday, someday. By the way, okay. Humanity Horse too. It's not as good. I know. It was entertaining in a different way. Yes, but it was not the same. I. You know, but like, you don't want more of the same. If I want to watch the old one, I'll watch the old one. Ask you a question. How many times has someone tried to deliberately replicate a certain kind of success and succeeded? Besides Green Day. I'm returning no. <laughs> I think I think the reason The Godfather 2 is better than The Godfather against all possibility and all hope, sorry, John Syracuse, is, uh, is that uh, it's, a, it's a wholly different movie. It's a wholly different movie. Holy. Hmm. Is that your Buddha? Oh, sorry, let me check here. He's right here. <laughs> put him on his back. Check it out now. It's not good. Sid Hartha Supine. <sighs> um, so la- <laughs> last week, um, and it's funny because uh, you know I I, I really uh, I liked something about last week's episode, mostly because it helped me clarify something. I like the episodes where I figure something out, obviously, because <laughs> I need that. Um, but the thing that I said last week, I think, was that I, I'm becoming less interested in um, trying to come up with decisive, all-encompassing answers and getting more interested in uh, how to ask interesting or, if you like, good questions. Is that kind of a summary? You're tired, I know. I was I was very tired, but I, I'm familiar with the episode. And yes, yeah. that is a good summary. Yeah, so I, I wanted to talk about trying to zero in on one aspect of that today. I mean, obviously, I think I, we have to jump over the whole idea of, like, you know, good answers to some extent, because there are good answers. There's good answers. There are myriad good answers. Do you want lemonade with dinner is a pretty good question. And a great answer for that would be either yes or no. That's, that's a very good question. Can you move out of the way so I could please drive around you? That's a good question. These are, you know, I'm not trying to say that every question has to be like a koan, right? Except the ones that need to be koans. Like one hand clapping an incomplete analogy. Hmm. So I'm not saying that there are questions that all have to be recursive, head up your butt, productivity guy questions. Uh, the questions that I was talking about in particular are the, are the sort of questions, uh, back to that, that kind of that uh, chestnut we're always uh, roasting, the one about like, should I quit my job? That, the thing that's always hanging over our head. What should I do different? How do I improve myself? Aren't, don't you think there's questions like that that sort of hang over the show? There's this sort of presupposition that we're answering that kind of question every episode we do. Okay, I, I don't know if I totally agree with that. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. But like, what 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 are those questions? What are some of those questions? That's should I should right? I quit? Should I quit my job? How do I do what I want to do? Why can't I do what I want to do? Why am I not getting progress? Right. Uh, with, with Why am I stuck? Hmm. What and is again, a priority? <laughs> how do you prioritize? How do you prioritize? You never make the noise. Can you try it. Make the noise. Which noise? A clearing my throat. A little uncomfortable. The um, the, the humming noise number one. How do you prioritize? I don't. You're supposed to go, I don't, mm, but you can't do that, mm, can you? That's, mm, okay. It's a little too, when I do it, it sounds like Marge from The Simpsons. 
Um, you sound like somebody in a really bad barbershop quartet. <laughs> well, who's, who's, that who's would a, be correct. Yes. Who's like a, 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 is there a, such a thing as a quarter tone? Bar- like a, a baritone. A, a quarter tone. No, no, no. I think you're thinking of uh, Enrico Caruso. Now, is he the one in, uh, in uh, it's not The Walking Dead. What's the one with Kevin Spacey where he limps? That's Inigo Montoyo? Uh, yes, the uh, uh, suspect Snape. one. Okay. And his name is Cesar Cose? Sizer? Sizer. Sid Caesar. <laughs> Sid Caesar Cose? Have you watched the Woody Allen documentary yet on the PBS? <laughs> no, I saw it. I uh, saw it in the list. I didn't get to watch it. I started, I got in sleepy and, and watched part of it twice and it, it's delightful. I will happily keep watching this every night until I can finish it or until my wife turns it off to watch The Walking Dead. But it's so good. Thoroughly enjoyable. Thoroughly enjoyable. Which brings us back to Kevin Spacey. Um, questions, questions. You weren't going to talk, not the one where he's the spaceman, right? Tears in the rain. Are you talking about American Beauty? <laughs> no. That's the most beautiful, that's the most beautiful thing great, I've ever seen in my life. It's a great movie. You know, it's not. It's a bag flying bad. around. This is why you need to listen to my other podcast. It was better when I saw it the first time. See, I don't, I don't like the references to other conversations that you have that I am not aware of with the anticipation that I have seen We need seen to move them. on, Dan. We don't have a lot of time. But we do. We got the internet. time. We got okay. time. Don't rush me. You got a thing. And I got a thing. Here's the thing. The internet is telling you, Dan, you expressed so much affection for me for so long. And now I really have to question it. At the end of every show, I'm not sure if you love me. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how you cannot listen to Roderick on the line. Roderick on the line. I've explained it. Uh, you explained it, but it doesn't make any sense. You're, you're really, you know, you, you sound kind of mean on Twitter sometimes. Are you aware of this? Yeah, people have told me that. Okay, and you know, I, I, I got to check to see if my Twitter's updating. So I don't communicate very well electronically. This is my my major. Well, you know who flaw. you sound like. Hmm. You you sound like you sound kind of like a like a Squidward uh, Syracuse bot. Oh, I, I don't I don't actually interact with Twitter directly. I have. You know, I have a system in place. He's got a boy. No, he doesn't. He doesn't tweet. Yeah, he can. He doesn't tweet. He doesn't tweet on the uh, keyboard. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I do. I do know that in 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 Twitter, I only have three responses. When will you listen? When will you listen to the show? I after like, our show is done, I'll listen to it. Do you know how it would deepen our relationship? It would be like you like uh, telling me you want to be it a seemed nurse. Long. It seemed really long. That's what it's she not said. That long. Uh, let me see. What is it? Roderick? R O D E R I C K. Plug it, Dan. You know where it is. You when I go to Roderick, Matthew, <laughs> Matthew Roderick. I think I might have fixed the levels too. Hey, oh yeah. So one bit of follow up uh, interview with Sandy went up today. I think I got the levels right with it. I think I figured out how to make everything stop overdriving. It sounds like everybody's talking through a uh, like a London reverb or, or maybe like an orange amp. I fixed it. I interviewed Adam. Because uh, Adam's going to be speaking, Sandy, Sandy Lonely Sandwich. He's uh, going to be speaking at Webstock next year. And so I interviewed him. I think he'd enjoy it, except for the parts that I'm talking. I'll send you a copy with just him talking. Would that help? Like just his side of the conversation? Yeah. Well, it could be that. Uh, it, it could be It could be uh, you saying, just saying, uh, bag, and then it, uh, he responds. That was, uh, You know what? Hmm. People, people who don't listen to the After Dark at this show or don't know what After Dark is, they send us the most emails. Well, oh, you got a lot yeah. of show notes for this Roderick on the line. This thing, I, you you don't even want to know the time that I spent. Merlin on. Mann's frank and candid weekly call with John Roderick of the Long Capital L Long Capital W. Winters. I got to fix the T. I got it's a graphic. Um, Squarespace. What is this? It's all on Squarespace. Oh my God, Dan! I <sighs> this doesn't make any sense. There's no description of what the episode is about. There's just notes. <laughs> 
Show right, notes forthcoming. Right, three letters. FAQ. Buddha's mad. Buddha's so. I don't understand. Like, what am I looking at here? Just links. It's just links. It's not. This Randy thing Quaid. What is this? Randy Quaid. I, I don't get He's it. a cool one. Did okay, this next one has episode nine has some notes. Did you ever read the Wasteland at all? The problems. The dolory. You, you clapped out. Of, Did you clap out of Elliot? You clapped this? out. What is you the premise out. of the show? Merlin's frank and candid weekly call with John you know Roderick of you know the what, Long Jack, Winters. Let's give it to him with both barrels. You know what? Give Dan so many at responses that, that you can just see the anger bubble to the surface. It's just, you know what? We're moving on. FAQs. Oh. Well, booty, booty what is so. Roderick on the line? Roderick so, on the line is a frank and candid weekly phone call between John five, Roderick five and Five minutes Roman. left. Five minutes. While these sorts of calls... Who is, who is Roderick? Yeah. Wild Mr. Hitler. Roderick is John Wild Roderick, Hitler. who is a singer, songwriter, journalist. I said, this guy sounds like... I know who this guy is. Yeah, he's the most talented singer, songwriter of his generation. He's no, I fan. know this guy. Yeah. That's him that you're doing the show with? From the, the show that we did that you didn't listen to. No, I mean, that's this, this John Roderick. From the oh, I'm going to have to listen to this. Oh, God. Should he and Sandy do a podcast? Would you like that? Oh, don't, don't kid. Muckbag. Are you serious? You could set that up? Because I, I, I feel weird. Up, Here's man. the thing. If I, if I man, listen to you on another show, so it much, totally... It, it, that doesn't even make any sense. That's it just does. It does. I want our it's conversations so to be so original. I want them to be, you know, I look forward to the show all week long and... I don't want to like rehash something that that you know somebody else did, did with you, you on another show me? Are or whatever. You kidding? I want to I be a so fresh tar- new I show. I want it to be Can new. I I'm so tired of hearing you talk about being a Buddhist who doesn't lie because you are such. Your pants are literally on fire right now. What are you talking Every, about? Can I finish? Yeah. Calmer than you are. <laughs> Every week you talk to these nerds about these things and you do what Bill Clinton calls compartmentalization. I don't control that. That's those are that's their show. This is the only show I can there's, be there's myself on without up. having that's or I get it to conversation. It's a special time. Okay. Have your have your wife listen to it. Tell her I said hi. Here's the thing. If we're going to talk about uh this thing and and I, I don't know if you agree with me. I don't I I never know if you agree with me because I stopped looking the email. Um but, but here's the thing. Uh I I, as I said last time, I am very suspicious of these answers, and I do have a lot of interesting, good questions. And so I could see if this continues to be pseudo-interesting, uh, this topic of, of asking good questions, asking interesting questions, avoiding bad and boring questions, I could see that being something we maybe talk about a little bit. I want to talk about one very specific thing today. Is that cool? I would love that. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to cut to the chase and say that I want to talk about the potential role of questions in mostly helping you figure out what the next question should be. And that's not to say that a question cannot have an answer, but I'm interested in the idea of questions as part of an iterative process. And I can give examples of that. Um, I'm not a scientist, as you know, Dan, but my sense is that when you're doing pure science, when you're doing good science, when you're doing science, it, it is a series of questions, right? You have a hypothesis. Uh, do they still have hypotheses? Is that even done? It's more like theorems today. Okay, but those are both Greek words, right? Roman. No, there's no Roman words. You mean Latin? Ro- Roman is a way of ambling around, like in the 30s song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Roman. I made roads and crucifixion. I'm Roman. 
I think you're thinking of B fifty two. With the decline of the Greek economy, I do not. I do not want to lose the hypothesis. We're going to need that. We should adopt that. Um, but you have something that you're going to test against reality, right? And it seems to me that whether that's in science or in self improvement or in any kind of thing, I, this super specific example that I want to give in a second is writing, because this is this is where this really comes to life. But if you're a scientist, from what I understand, at least from you know eighth grade. Uh, you have a hypothesis, right? You have this idea about a fact in the world and then you test it, see how the results turned out and see how it's squared against the hypothesis. And in the same way that a software developer, uh, you can tell me if this is true, Dan, but when you're on a team, it seems like software developers don't love doing things like... But in any kind of work where you do that, you kind of get better at it the more you estimate it because humans are just naturally terrible at answering those kinds of questions. How long will it take you to do this, right? Yesterday, uh, and this is not a slam, this is, this is just a note, but yesterday when I asked you about a thing you're doing, you'd said probably today, probably yesterday, today at the latest, which I thought sounded ambitious. But of course, it turned out to be more complex than you thought. Yeah, something a little surprise. Right, because everything ends up being more complex than we thought. We don't account for the amount of other things that are involved. And very famously... But by uh, the way, you, so you did solve the problem. You came up with the solution for me. So I, I wish we could talk about that because I, I actually think that's a super good example of like the right question was totally reframing. Yeah, that the was problem. great. Okay, we shouldn't talk about that though, right? Not yet. Should be a save okay. a journal, it tongue it down. Okay. Um, and so I, that's my sense of how that works. And at the end, you can go, okay, well, I estimated that completing this uh, this module of code or whatever, this part of the program, I thought that that would take you know, uh, 60 person hours and it took 90 person hours and K-Lox. <laughs> K-Lox. I learned that. I learned that in a book. Uh, and then you learn, you go, oh gosh, that took a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> Why did that take so long to do? And right there, that is the answer to a question that you did not even ask, right? <laughs> Which is, why did this take longer than I thought? And if you're really honest and you get all Ben Franklin about it, you can re kind of reverse engineer why you didn't get that right. And yes, that could absolutely be that somebody added some gold plating that you didn't think should be there. It could be that you're just like, why did your date slip? Well, if you do that over and over and over, you probably get a little bit better at estimating. At the very least, you do the most obvious thing in the world, which is to pad your estimates. I mean, when I was, I've joked about this, but when I was a project manager, I would always do that. At the very least, I would add 20% to whatever somebody told me something would take. And still, it would be very difficult to finish anything on time. But that was, that was just the baseline for me. Uh, what was the other example? Um, the, 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 the science thing, right? <laughs> the science thing. Because as you know, I'm a student of science. If you, can, you square your hypothesis against what the results were, and you can see, ask yourself like, where that got wrong. Like, and, and where are all your methods in place? Um. But in all of those, it seems to me that there's an implicit question being asked that's always being kind of answered. But the, in, in so many of the best questions, uh, I guess philosophy would be a great example of this. A lot of times the best answer to a question we have is here's the better question to ask, or here's a more interesting question to ask, or here is the suggestion of why you weren't asking the right question in the right place. So as we might explore in a future episode, what is it that makes a good question? Well, obviously a good question is one that can be answered in some way because if it's a question that implies that it has to be answered in a certain way, well, then you're tossing out all that you could learn from having asked the wrong question, 
right? A question should have some idea of context. It should have, you know, some specificity to it. It should be something that you can probably square against reality. And <laughs> I would say for myself, there should be a question where you're prepared for the answer to be something completely different than what you expected. And that's why I want to talk about writing. And this is, um, tell me when we should do a sponsor because we've got two. Oh, now might be a good time because we're zeroing in. <laughs> yeah, and I mentioned it. Uh, bring me straight back at uh, writing. Can you get the diary of this? You know writing. What? Right, okay. Okay. Uh, so writing. Writing. Writing, okay. And uh, Blendell chain. Not to be confused with the Jesus and Mary chain. Okay, I'm so impressed that you know who the pixies are. Or just pixies. Pixies? I think there's no uh, definite object. Definite object, definite article. Which one are you? You're the real article. It's the pixies, no? I think it's just pixies. It's just pixies? Heads. Isn't that annoying? It's so annoying. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, who do you want to start with? You got a favorite? I can't. I can't pick. Sophie's Choice, did I say? Boom. Okay, Dan, I have something that I must share with you and the jackals. I would like everyone to listen very carefully. I want two up here. I am from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. <laughs> Top seller gets a Cadillac. <laughs> Second place, steak knives. Third place, you're fired. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Coffee is for closers, and that's why I'm here to talk to you about Text Expander by Smile Software. Why is this important, Dan? Why is this an all-important, all-critical visit that we're having today? Text Expander is one of those apps that, at least for me, uh, I, I just that is my go-to app. It's one of the very, very first third-party apps that I will install on all Macs. Days. And Dan is not a third-party app guy. I do not like third-party apps. I only nope. have a handful of them total. I try to make do with, with just what's there. But this is a, certainly an exception. I can't even find, there's so many little things I can't even function without. I couldn't write, how could you, how do people write emails on at any right. level of scale without this thing? For, for one thing, forget I, all the I, little I, fancy I, I, little, little yeah. hacks that you probably do with it. Even oh, just for, I write my own kex now. Even just Did I for, pronouncing that right, kext? I think so. Okay. But even just for the, for the basic, if you do, if you write more than a half dozen emails a day, I don't know how, how you survive without this. Or you just couldn't, should write less email. That's the other thing. Like Here's you? Thing. Like you? Yeah. I can't understand what you're saying, Dan. I, I would say for me, um, for uh, one password is the first thing I put on because I got to have the passwords to do other things. True. One, one password, text expander, and Quicksilver. I'm just being dead honest. I could say, oh, text expander is the only thing. But I'm being honest. Those three things, like I would never say I just need this one hammer. But that is my hammer, my screwdriver, and my wrench. No particular order. Uh, because text expander, especially with the way that it syncs with iOS, uh, it'll change your game. Um, I want to be quick and I want to be very pointed about this. You just need to go buy this. Uh, you need to get this because what it's going to let you do is have little shortcuts that will expand into big things very easily. We've talked about some examples of this in the past. The real simple, just in some ways, the simple ones are the most amazing. Stuff like uh, when I type EMMG, as I've said, it expands into my email address. I get so tired of that. When I type my POB, no spaces, it, 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 with line breaks, it puts my PO box in standard USPS format. A huge pain to write out. I've got... Let's check. Hey, let's have a contest. Tell me how many you got. Are you, you're not in front of your computer, right? No, I can't look at that and still do a good show. Ah, that's weird. It's so weird. You know what, though? You know your limits. Single focus. Yes. One focus. I have 230 snippets. Wow. <laughs> you know what oh, else so it's, it's really, really good for is, like, uh, for example, on many websites, you will 
have characters that are not common keyboard characters that you can't get even with like a shift option kind of a thing. Like you say you want to make a star. Like a star or a little the little right arrow, the actual you know, right facing <laughs> arrow. And nowadays I have we have one for that. I totally have I do one too. And we, we have UTF eight these days. So you don't need to put ampersand pound and then whatever the number code is, you can actually just put in the real character and Unicode UTF will will make that work in pretty much all modern browsers. So you can you can just put that in. So having these little things for things that you would never want to type or look up or have to go to a website and do a Google right. search and then copy it and then paste it and whatever, it just makes it easy. It, little things like that, it just does And can I revive the Bob Odenkirk infomercial voice just <laughs> for one thing? Please. Touch the pan. I will go so far as to say that they actually have uh, a downloadable, grabbable, that is to say the nice people at Smile, uh, actually have uh, one called Symbols. They have, have a whole bunch of these shake and bake ones you can just drop in. Uh, I think it's them. I might have gotten this from Brett Terpstra, but I've got one called Terpstra. Symbols. Terpstra. 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 If I type C, copy, C-C-O-P-Y, I get a copyright symbol. Um, if I type, I think I've got like uh, S star is for star. Uh, yes, S-S-T-A-R goes bloop, and then I get the little, uh, it would be what? Ampersand, stars, semicolon. It, it, but, oh, and how about this one? So how, how do you do your arrow? I have option, shift, dash to get an M dash. And then I type a greater than, and that goes bloop, and that gives me the little arrow. How do you get yours? Three, da- three dashes one? and an arrow. Yeah, the skinny one. Oh, and that's almost the same way, Dan. I think we might be simpatico. Pretty, huh. pretty weird. Get out of my head, Merlin man. I wish you smoked. I wish I smoked. The uh, this is a fantastic thing. You need this. And Dan, I have pictures of you smoking. What are you talking? No, about? you don't. Those are Doctor Dan. Mm. What you you know who you need to worry about? You need to worry about you. That's what you need to do, right? Let, let me ask you a question. When you go out on a motorcycle, do you wear do you wear a helmet on on your head? What's protecting your brain? Apart from your skull. That's right. It's you. You live inside your brain. You just don't know it. You can't find a door. And you can't get a line out to ask somebody to put one on. Now, why don't you look at her and explain that? Where have you been for pizza night? Those are those are real tears. That is not Sprite. Here's why you need to get on this. This is important, Dan. This is, this is, this is important. Do you know why this is important? This is because this is the last chance, capital, last capital chance. This is the last chance for the handsome discount. That smile is offering. Uh, well, they shouldn't. They shouldn't even offer a discount. No, they, they shouldn't. They should they charge really people shouldn't. double. But here's the deal: <clears throat> if you go to smallsoftware.com/b2w, you will see on that page, in addition to a very lovely looking uh, logo made by what's his name, uh, Jordash Ford. What's his name? What's his name? <laughs> Jory LaFord. What's jo- the name of the guy? Jory. Jory. Okay. All right. Has nothing to do with the pants. No. Smallsoftware.com/b2w. You will see. A promo code called Last Chance because this is the, your last chance to get twenty percent off anything that they have on the Smile Store. That includes PDF Pen Pro, which we should probably talk more about uh, next time, at least because I, I I've been using the heck out of this. I, what is it? But do, whenever you deal with people in ties, you end up using PDF Pen Pro. Like if you, if you talk to somebody, especially you know anybody at a company like with desks, you're going to end up using that. You got to sign something. You got to fill it out. I got a W nine thing from somebody that was a PDF with no fields, mm. so I had to go in and make fields out of it. Terrible. These are bad people, and this is why everyone needs this. Please go to smallsoftware.com uh, slash b two w. You know what? You know what? I shock and Dan jives, but it's because we love and we really um, 
we still, I, I got to say, we've never had a sponsor on this show that wasn't stuff that we loved. And I, I just love the living heck out of Text Expander, especially on iOS. You know, I, I, you know, I live in um, nebulous notes for my, um, you know, text stuff. I, I like Elements too. I like Notes too, but I just do so much stuff in nebulous notes. I simple text. Have you ever tried that one? Some, some, yeah, Simple Note. Simple Note? Is that what it's called? Simple Note? Did I call yeah, it let's wrong? talk about that sometime. Right. I, 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 I guess you got remember. a beef with them. I lost 20 minutes of writing one day. It made me crazy. Oh, my uh, gosh. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, Sandy uses that. Did you know Sandy uses Simple Note? No wonder I like it. That's why you're on it now. Exactly. No, I'm not switching. I type HHR, and you know what I get? I get five asterisks, which is a horizontal rule. Mm. I type, uh, I've got, a, I mean, there's so many of these that I use. You know, oh, Dan, here's a crazy one. Oh, now i got to shut up and move on. People hate this. You know, uh, back ticks, you know, for, uh, it makes a, well, you're not a big markdown person, but that means. I use, is, I use exclusively markdown. Well, you know, it's, a, it's like a code span mm-hmm. when you do that. Yeah. You know, when you do that, it'll read as, and so, uh, so, so for me, uh, but Terpstra has, has some stuff to do Terp. this too. <laughs> but Terp. this works on. <laughs> Terpstra. Uh, when I type on my iOS device, on my text editor, anywhere I am, if I type quotation marks twice, if I type apostrophes twice, or single, I'm sorry, apostrophes, sorry, Gruber, type single quotes twice, if I type backticks twice, if I type uh, a left bracket, if I type left bracket and then right bracket, for any one of those, it knows that whenever I type those two things, I want whatever's in the clipboard to get dropped between them. And boy, is this ever handy now on Google. Do you follow what I'm saying? If I've selected the word um, class and I type two back, cl- back ticks, I hear bloop, and now the word class is between those two back ticks and the cursor is right of the second back tick. It's right where I want to be. So I never have to like type things in quotes again and make sure I get it right. It auto pairs. Stuff you would expect in an IDE, but now this goes with you everywhere you go. There's a ton of these from Markdown. We were talking too long. Please go to smallsoftware.com slash B2W. Dan, are there going to be other chances for the 20% discount? Uh, no. It's literally the last chance. This is the last chance. Kiss the pan. The pan kisses you. So in the chat room while you were talking about this, somebody named JXPX777. I know him. Says, part of people's barrier to text expander is sometimes, how do I remember all those snippets commands? Well, you can set a shortcut to search snippets and then get started by just remembering that one and it'll let you search the snippets with a you snippet. I can't believe we've never done this. When um, One of the neat things, we haven't gotten into a lot of detail on this because for a reason that will become obvious in a second, but one of the things you can do in Text Expander is to set up uh, variables. Like in TextMate, you know how you can have dollar sign one, dollar sign two, or I guess in something like what? Does Perl have anything like that, Dan? I don't know. I'm not... Uh... <laughs> but you can set up these fields where you can either have it um, jump, like tab to those places. You can do this now in Text Expander. So if you've got like a form letter you want to send to people, people like, dear name of person, thank you for writing about thing you are writing about. Um, the reason I won't do anything about this is because name of reason, kindest regards, your name, right? And each one of those things where I said it in that voice, uh, that becomes a little text field where you can type in what that is. I think that's my, new, my new favorite voice. <laughs> I got that from a Letterman show. It's good. Uh, yeah. Welcome to our newest uh, affiliate, Pittsburgh, where there are many rivers and the highest, <laughs> biggest industries, steel. Um, so you get a little sheet thing that pops up, a sheetish thing that pops up, and you can enter. Oh, this has been like 16 minutes. Dan. A sheetish, sheetish lion. Sheetish thing. 
mukbang. And you can just pop through there with tabs, enter all of those. You hit that boom, and you have entered that in. So what I'm going to link to is a thing I can't even believe I have never linked to before, which is a screen cast that I did to demonstrate this. Um, and I'll put that up where people can see it. Yes, KFG. Yes, screencast. Text Expander 3's fill functionality. Now, this is old. It's probably gotten better since then. Uh, but I will add this. And you can see a little bit about how this magic works. I will give you a... this. Gene, I'm sorry. I forgot I made this. I will put this up where people can find it. Uh, moving on. Please go to uh, smallsoftware.com slash B2W. I'm extremely sorry. This is so long. We have like six we minutes get e- By the way, if you're sitting there thinking, well, five minutes for a sponsor... Yes, yeah. we, we do get those emails. So people are emailing on your behalf. All yeah. Right. Can I ask a question? Go ahead, caller. How likely do you think that person would be to ever buy this product? Zero percent chance. So how worried am I? Thank you. Okay, moving on. You know, here's the thing, Dan. Oh, wait, hold on. Here we go. Hold on. Now, is Gene in there? Gene's in there. Writing Blendel Chain. Our thanks to Small Software uh, for supporting 5x5 and back to work. Hi. Um, I'm going to give a very specific example of this. Uh, and the this of this is that I, I can't get away from this idea uh, just because it means so much to me in, in the whatever work that I do. And especially when I really am feeling great about the fact that I am writing and what I'm producing with writing is this notion of writing as an iterative process. Uh, as always, uh, we should, we'll do the link as usual. I, I got to mention Don Murray, a guy, a guy who's just who changed the way I think about writing in the most uh, productive of ways. Uh, this idea of you know being very comfortable with writing as an iterative process where you start out knowing practically nothing about what you're doing and eventually end up with something that's not bad. <laughs> right? You, you do what you can, but you keep writing and you write and you write and you write. That, that to me is always like step zero, ground zero, like where it begins with writing. But another book that I love about writing, and I've talked about it on here before, but I, I can't think of a better example of the role of questions that don't have specific answers or may not have specific answers than a book by this guy named Jack Hart. And his book is called uh, A Writer's Coach. And I've mentioned this, I'm sure, half a dozen times on here. I want to mention two things that he talks about. So my thesis is, how can, oh, actually, I may be able to really work this. Um, what was the book before Writer's Coach? Oh, Don, uh, Don, Don Murray's, uh, it's his like best. Is uh, it Don or called. Don? D-O-N, Donald, Donald Murray, not the actor. Um, right to Learn. That's good. There's one that's a collection. It's got a bearded guy on the cover. The Essential oh. Don Murray. Lessons Boom. from the America's Greatest Writing Teacher. Boom. All right. Putting these in the show notes. So let's imagine that I start and I, I have an audience of people in a podcast type audience. And there's a case that I want to make to them, uh, which is that um, good questions force your writing Good, good questions force a writer to find better questions. And boy, I don't even know if that makes any sense. And you know what? That is totally cool. Because you know what that is? That is my theme statement. That's my theme statement. That is my, that is my hypothesis that I now have to prove to you. And if I were writing and beginning with that, now why is that a great thing? That is a great thing according to, and forgive me, Mr. Hart, if I'm, if I'm massacring this, but having a theme statement for whatever you write 
is the writer's version of a hypothesis. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago. But the idea of a theme statement, and this is not Ms. Grundy's theme statement, but especially as a journalist in his case, he says that you should begin, and you're going to throw this out, right? You're not, you're not going to print this. This is just for you. But at the beginning of the page, capital T-H-E-M-E, all caps, theme, colon, and then a transitive sentence. You have to state, state that something does something. And that is so much harder than you think. But try to express a fact in the world. I know that's not a question, but try that. Try and say, next time you're trying to figure out a problem or ask a question, do something as a theme, right? So maybe, maybe your question is, uh, should, I, should I quit my job? Well, you may not even know what your theme statement is, but how would you get to knowing what it is you're trying to ask, right? This is, this is a complex process. But to me, when I'm writing and I try that theme statement thing, uh, a really interesting thing happens. I'm forced to think about what it is I'm trying to say. I, uh, let's be honest, I am, I am forcing myself to try to find an answer because now I have a line in the sand or if you like a stake in the ground that says this is the statement that will be provable by what I'm about to write. Are you with me so far? I'm there. I mean, like, how different is that from sit down and just kind of scribble for a while? Okay, what is it I want to try to say? So you need to come up with your version of that. But if, you're, if, you're, if you've got a question that's bubbling around in your mind, try that. And then uh, do whatever your process is. For, for somebody who's a reporter, that might involve you know, calling people up and taking notes. If you're writing nonfiction, uh, it might involve doing some research and starting to put it together. If you're somebody who's writing a blog post, it, it, it might start with just, just some typing or a handful of links. You know, actually, you know what? When I'm working on, work on a blog post, I'd like to start with links. I'll start with links and annotating those. And sometimes that tells me what the story needs to be. Sometimes, uh, I don't know if I made up this term, but when I'm doing functional writing, when I'm doing writing that's going to have a link-based component to it, I'll actually add the links sometimes while I'm doing the writing. And that gives me just enough of a, not a distraction, but a little bit of input to get moving, right? Because it's so hard to get started writing anything, right? You start writing, and you're going, oh, what am I doing? And you just feel so adrift and you're so overthinking everything that you're doing. But you, when, you're, when you can get to it, have that theme statement about a fact in the world. And this is where it gets super cool. You can sit there and start writing and thinking and trying to figure out what the, what the question is that needs to be answered. And this is where it departs from Ms. Ms. Grundy. Because if you get two paragraphs in, you might go, oh, you know what? That is not the theme of what I'm writing. And you, you know what you're not only allowed to do, but you've got to do? You go up and you change your theme statement. Because you just figured out that that's not really what you're trying to ask. And you change that to a different transitive sentence. And you say, uh, uh, most questions uh, suffer from poor definition and the inability to have a specific answer. That's not really transitive. But you see where I'm going with this? What's that writing doing? The writing is telling you what the writing should be. And it's also telling you what it's about. You're asking a question. When you're writing, you're asking yourself, you're asking yourself what the next word should be. You're asking yourself, what am I talking about? You're asking yourself on some level, am I capable of this? There are innumerable questions. This is why you have a brain. This is what it does. It just spits out questions all the time. The only point I want to make is if when you get a thousand words into whatever you're writing, there's a good chance if you're doing this correctly, you may have gone back and changed that theme statement many, many, many times. And that's okay. That is not cheating. I guess in science, you're not allowed to go back and change your hypothesis. But this is how the sausage gets made, guys, is you go back and you keep squaring where you're going with this against that theme statement. And what could any process be more iterative? And could anything better illustrate the way that a good question is not always 
something that can be answered right away, let alone be the best question you'll end up asking. The question you end up asking, let's say that you think of the thing you wrote as being an answer to a question. It's totally reasonable to go to go, here's the answer I came up with. I guess this was the question I wanted to ask. But you can't do that unless you're iterating on what that question is. Does that make sense? Kind of? I think it does. Well, but think about it, Dan. When you sit down and let's say it's not one of your blog posts about, um, you know, uh, installing rails or right, something. Sure. Like say, I, like I'm trying to think of one recently you've done, but when you would do longer pieces, didn't you find that to be the case? I mean, when you wrote about paleo, that was mainly a primer that involved links. But have you ever noticed that you start writing one thing and then realize I, I had this post called making the clacking noise that is about like, it started out as my wish that my friends on Tumblr and elsewhere would talk more about their life in a less varnished and obvious, here's a photo of my cake sort of way. And it ended up being these memories of my father that I hadn't had access to for years. And it just fell out because, as I said, I made the clackety noise. The question I thought I wanted to answer was, how can I convince my friends to not act like this is freaking Facebook? And the answer I ended up with is there's something ineffably valuable in getting access to parts of your life and sharing that with people. And I had no idea that was going to be the answer, let alone that that was the question. But I kept at it and I made the clacking noise and eventually that fell out. And now it's one of my favorite things I've written, right? I mean, that's not the best example for you. And, and me, I don't even know if this is a perfect analogy, but I cannot think of a better of an analogy here than writing. Because anybody who's a good writer or is even like a regular writer, I think will feel the resonance with this. That there is a question, there's a tacit, like an implicit question that you start with. Right? What's an example? Um, how do I convince people that I know enough about how to, be, how to do cool stuff with Text Expander that they should consider looking at buying it? But isn't that kind of an implicit question if I go make a, a screencast? Mm -hmm. Right? And I might discover stuff along the way. When I've made those videos, like I showed you, Dan, I made that video even before we did the show like where I'd mentioned you. That started out being what I thought was going to be this thing about like why I kind of hate Lifehacker and I made this video that made fun of them. And something like 37 minutes later, I ended up in a completely different place answering a completely different question. I did that talk at Rutgers and 90 minutes after I began, I had the basis for the book I wanted to write. And I, I started out me being sad because I couldn't find my slides. Yes, the shades into a thousand things we've talked about. But all I'm saying is when you're worried about questions and you're worried about answers as much as I do, um, if you just come up with a question that's the first question that comes to mind or you think you found a question on the cover of a magazine or you've landed on something that seems like the kind of thing that, that might be kind of roughly in your wheelhouse, be that liberal arts person and say, is this what it appears to be? Is this really the question that I want to ask? Can I turn this? Can I look at different ways of, of thinking about this? Can I turn this into a different kind of question that creates, you know, against all of your impulses and intuition? Can I create a question that would potentially create more options for answers than demands for a single answer? Because the demand for a single answer, apart from, yes, I will have iced tea or lemonade, is what makes something a terrible question, right? That, that is what, it, it, apart from the whole like being totally off track, can I run this Perl program in Rails kind of question. Well, again, the answer to that is that that's a dumb question. <laughs> if I answer yes or no, what, what, again, Dan, what kind of peanut butter should I be having on paleo? Mm. 
There's no great answer for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's this whole class of those kinds of questions that are bad just because they're they're so they're so off off the mark with, with being able to be answered. I don't I don't want to carry on more. We don't have much time left, but this is the thing I keep turning over in my mind is I I, I don't want to bore you with another rant about why I think answers can be problematic. I'd like to get to that, but I, I just wanted to I'd like you to look at this. Consider looking at that book. Um, a writer's coach. I think it's on the Kindle. There's, if you just Google Jack Hart, writer's coach, you'll find lots of interviews. And uh, uh, in closing, I just want to mention one more trick that he mentions uh, from uh, a colleague of his. H- how do you find a theme statement? Like every theme statement for what you're writing, and let's, I'm just saying, the theme becomes a kind of question, right? It becomes, it becomes an answer that you now have to be able to, or you, I guess you could say it becomes an answer that you now have to find the right question to. Whatever it is, you're trying to square something you're starting out with I don't know and trying to end with I know or I think I know or I need to know something different. That's, that's how this should work. And he's this, he uh, has this colleague, I think his name is Bill Blundell. And uh, if you're looking for an exercise to try for this, uh, try this thing called the Blundell chain. Uh, so if you've ever done anything like mind mapping, you're familiar with that idea of starting with something in the middle. Vulcan mind mapping, you mean? Mm-hmm. Is that like when you squeeze somebody's shoulder? No, this is where you, you do a thing with your hand, you put it on their face, and you say, remember. Oh, like Ian Holm in Alien? Similar. Okay. No, was that John Hurt? John Hurt. William Hurt. With the chest? The, the chest on, buster? Which is the one with Raul Julia with the dress? That's, oh, you're thinking of Adam's family. I think you're thinking of that Turkish prison Midnight Express thing with Giorgio Moroder. That's the one with John, William John Hurt. Fester, my own brother. That one? Where they do the tango or whatever it is? Did I ever tell you that William Defoe is the first person I ever heard use the phrase five by five? Have I told you that? I told you that. No, where did he use that? I told you this in one of like E1 to 10 probably. It's a Jack Ryan movie. And he says, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Five by five. Tell the listeners what that means and we'll do a sponsor. What does that mean, five by five? Five by five, which if you if you ever interested in learning a little bit more about this, you can... You can Google the term or you can go to 5x5.tv slash about, but it's it's uh, a signal that See, I just asked a bad question. I'm sorry. I asked a bad question. Excellent strength and perfect clarity. I, I, yeah, like volume and clarity, right? Mm-hmm. And so you got one to five for volume and one to five for clarity. All right. So 5x5 five five means the best, uh, the optimum optimum signal, perfectly legible and This is why I want to take my show over to a different network called 7x1. Nice. Where you can be very, very loud and not make a lick of sense. Seven yeah, by one. Uh, seven by one. Hi. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> Have you heard something that was so loud it was just hard to understand? Think it too hard? Not enough answers? Can't leave the room? Hi. You like these guys at Squarespace? You know anything about this? I am somewhat familiar with Squarespace, but I only know it in the context of uh, a really, really awesome place to uh, create and host uh, blogs and, and websites of all kinds. I'm sure that's not what you meant. No, no, I think you're thinking of uh, Ryan Stansky. Is that his name? We can't, probably can't say that on the air. No, right? we can't say Stansky. He's handsome. Is he? Yeah, and he's like, he's like nine. He's very, he's very, very Is young. Is he I handsome? Think, I think he's in, uh, what's it called, Pop Warner? Is that well, the baseball, gonna, right? That's not, if you Google that, is that him? Pop Warner? I think, that's, I think you're thinking of uh, the football guy. If you Google Ryan Stansky, is that the guy? Probably, is it like a LinkedIn deal? No, I just, he just, that's not him. I, th- does he look like he's in a, a 90s rock band? Yeah. I think it's him. He's like tw- he's, like, he's, he's like young. Eight. He's very, very young. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. 
This is I'm going to go. This is deep. We're going to go inside the looking glass. I'm going to be quick about this because this is either going to hugely appeal to you or you're going to be totally confused. There's this amazing thing you can do in Squarespace that is is kind of mind boggling to me. Uh, let's let's start with the the eighty percent of the point you need to know about Squarespace, which is it's super easy to set up and use. Uh, they deliberately do things like not let you jerk around with the uh, HTML. That's a that's a technical term. Tim Bray. Tim Bray is that his name? Came up with Tim Tim Berners Bray Lee. Tom, Bra- Tom Bradley. Tom Bradley. <laughs> right. Okay. James Earl Bradley Lee Bray. Now, ex libris means this is from the library of somebody, right? That's a good. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, oh, segue. I'm have to Google that. Okay, it's a good segue. Now, here's the thing: you go in there. You're gonna have the section where you get your content set up. You get the structure of the site set up. You can go into style and play around. You have all these little modal ways of like just playing with your site and making it the way you want. But let's say you want to go a little deeper. As we mentioned uh, last week or the week before, there's a wonderful section called Custom CSS where per any of your templates, and you can have as many templates as you want, you can use theirs, you can bring in your own, uh, you can add Custom CSS that'll override their CSS. Super cool, super easy. Did you know that you can actually totally override their CSS, you can come up. If you want to have a custom theme, if you want to go hire uh, one of those uh, those guys with a shaved head who's a really good designer, you can go in and just drop in the CSS and it'll make a beautiful site. These are good things. There is this one area that is, is, is this is very dark. We are deep inside the looking glasses. There are <laughs> two areas under what is called, is that Kevin Costner? Is that his name? He hmm. did that water world. Yeah, that's him. That's the one. That's where you're sailing on the, I'm not going to get into that. Advanced options. This is very far away. You have to go very deep in for this. It's kind of like that good reader button in the settings where it's like, whatever you do, don't hit this button. But there's a section called advanced options and it's got a couple super cool things. I can't go into huge detail because you're going to have to be a deep nerd to really be into this. Under advanced options, you can edit customizable elements and you can edit style variables. All I will say is if you are interested in having a little more tweakability and you've got the skills, you can go in and you can change the names of the things that are ID'd and classed out to be what, what suits you. I'm thinking if you've got some code that's pretty close, right? You could probably adapt it to this. Uh, if you just prefer that your header be called something else, you can change that ID. You can go in and do that. You can also go in and reset all the style variables. So if you want, yes, you can do all of this with uh, old school CSS, but you can also go in and change uh, and change the values for things. If you want the content padding to be 40, you can go in and do that there. And then that'll work across, across the board with these. Um, what I'm getting at is that because the little engine for this thing is, is, is so well-tuned, uh, you can go in and have a lot of flexibility in things like presentation and setup, and you're not going to have to worry that this thing's going to break or that the, the, the paper clips and rubber bands are going to come flying off and hit you in the eye. <laughs> uh, it, 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 I've already, in show notes, have put a couple links to the help section on advanced settings. Uh, if you've been thinking about looking at Squarespace, but you're going, you know, have a look at this. Have a look at this. Because even as much as they've got great themes that, that I am using and loving... Uh, Go to their gallery. We'll put a link to that too. You are, it's going to blow your mind what people are doing uh, with this site. And uh, you can be doing that too if you go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Is that correct? I believe it's back to work. It's always back to work, Merlin. It is. No, I'm getting screwed up because I'm trying not to give them the new code for the next month, oh, which is really awesome. Yeah. But we do have a code. We have, it's an offer code. Did you know that's called an offer code, Dan? I don't like that term. Tell Ryan... But get, you know, give him some candy or something first. Yeah, like I was six. just I was very, just looking at his uh, picture. Of him, he is he's a handsome young young, he's very very, young very handsome. He's Did you know he handsome. was so young though? I didn't know. He looks like he could be in the X Men, the third movie. Which one would he be? 
which a, which X man would he be? Oh, you're saying he might be old school uncanny or new school. I got a lot to learn. Dan. What about the astonishing X Men? You're forgetting them. No, there's X, there's astonishing X Men, uncanny X Men. There's just X Men. Is that six one six? We all in six one six? Yeah, this? still in six one six. So confused. It's a very good looking guy. There's a so Wolverine and X Men. So you've got two X Men teams. One with Wolverine leading it, and he's rebuilding Xavier School. And then you've got Cyclops, another one with Cyclops one? leading it. It used to be led by Cyclops. Then there was the X Men Schism, and then uh, there was X Men Regenesis. I don't think you're supposed to call it that. What, what should you should be totally called? go to Square. Uh, you know what? It's family podcast, squarespace.com slash back to work. The offer code for the month of 11, for the month of November. Promo you code. Will in, you are going to have Stancy on you like white on rice, which you don't <laughs> eat, but you will still get extra white. Look your wife in the eyes and tell her that. Yeah. It's 10% off for the next six months with Squarespace. Is that right? 10%, 6, 10 and 6? Yeah. 10% off six months by using... The offer code's so angry. So angry, no spaces. There's no Z in Syracuse, and there's no space in so angry. <laughs> and there's no it, space in Squarespace. There's no space. No way I'm minute. giving them that. They can run with that. Huh. That's theirs. No, no space in, in Squarespace. There's no I in team. There's also no me in team. Are we done, or we, we got more? Very quick. Thank you very much to Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. If you're struggling to get that theme, if you're struggling to figure out what you're trying to figure out, mind maps can be such a great thing. Here's a version of a mind map that I think is mind-blowingly great. This was designed to be used for reporters and journalists. Um, and, and the idea is to figure out what's the lead. Like, or, or, you know, put the, I'm sorry, the lead. That's a little early for the lead. Let's try, say you're trying to figure out what your story is going to be about. And one of the best things Jack Hart says in his book that I will misquote is that there's a, a really big difference uh, between an idea. There's like anything could be an idea, but you're going to have to come up with like what, what your idea is, what your take on it is. Not so far off the Gruber and Mann idea of obsession and voice, what your angle on this is going to be. That's going to define what the theme is. So you're going to have to figure out what you say about whatever your topic is. And the case he gives in the book is something having to do with, you know, um, if spotted owls become protected, like how will that affect the local economy? Okay, so so typical mind map style, this is quick. In the middle of the page, in like a little square, he writes down a fact in the world. Transitive is better. But if you put down a fact in the world, you're trying to figure out the answer to something, should I quit my job? How about this? Try this. Um, I quit my job in December. Right? Let's put that in the middle. Okay, you make a line and then you make a square. And you say, what is something that I am almost positive will happen if that thing happens, right? It might be something like, I have less money in January. Mm. Okay. Now that is, that's really seems like a fact. I will have less money in January. You draw another line and you make another square and you say, I will definitely have less money in February. <laughs> And you go, hmm, that's probably true. And you make another square and you go, Easter this year will be a little sparse. This is just one way to go. Any direction that you can think of, starting with that fact in the middle, keep making facts that go from one to the other. And don't fudge. But for each one of those, get those Buddha eyes on and try and see something that directly correlates and connects with that thing that you, the fact that you started with. And if you do that for a while and you make about 20 or 30 of those boxes, the closer you get to the edge, the closer you're going to get to something that is maybe a little bit difficult to prove, 
because it has such a reliance on the chains that got it there. But you got your story. There's your story. Your story is you're going to say if spotted owls are protected in the Southwest, the number of used cars being sold will go up and there will be fewer new mortgages. And then that will cause this kind of... Do you follow where I'm going with this? And what does that mean? Now you got something to go talk to people about. You, can, you know to go to a used car dealership and interview somebody about what's, how sales are doing. Right? You, you know that your story that used to be about this one noun is now about a whole bunch of verbs and adjectives and other nouns. Nice. And by starting in that middle, now you've got a theme that you can live with. You've got a theme that you can test. And now, whatever kind of question and answer you're looking for, you come up with that theme, and now you know what you're constantly testing against reality. And you know what? If it doesn't work, change the theme. Or, you know, go back to the Blundell chain. But the point is, now you have somewhere to go. That is how you ask a great question. You ask a great question by first asking what feels like a pretty good question and then being ready to constantly iterate and go back to whether that question could be better, could be more specific, could be more answerable, or could just simply be more interesting. You want to button this up? Cue the train. Mm. El Terrible, inbound. Great Don't show. Call. What a great show. Oh. You just said that because we texted yesterday. No, this is a really good one. Oh, man. You got cute kids. Thanks. Really cute. You, did, you like the, did you like that cake? I did like the cake. Is this after dark? No. I'm going to send you a spot book. Thanks. Spot bakes a cake. Mm. Want to button this up? Yes. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.